Hello and welcome to the Crew Review Podcast, a Columbus Crew postgame show where me and another writer from Massive Report review the crew. I'm your host, Andrew Atkins, and joining me today is a very special co-host. He's a writer for Massive Report. He's a lawyer, but don't worry. He's a good lawyer. He's a beer lawyer. He is none other than Colin Johnson. Colin, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? Uh, stressed out, but I'm, I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, that was an uh, intense game. It, it really was, and we're going to get right into it. Introductions out of the way. We have to get into our first segment of the night. A little thing I like to call emotional overreaction. So, Colin, I ask you to shut off that analytical side of your brain, reach down into your heart, pretend that you're on Twitter, and spew out the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah, so I, I think uh, I'm just going to send out that, that gif of William, uh, Willem Dafoe where he's looking crazy-eyed like everywhere at the camera. <laughs> uh, I, I think that totally encapsulates both the game and the chaotic crew performance. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh my emotional overreaction is I am starting a Ted Uncle hate club where uh, <laughs> the, only, the only membership requirements is that you're a crew fan because if you're a crew fan, you surely hate Ted Uncle. So yeah. that out of the way, let's move on to the crew review for Columbus Crew SC taking on Ted Uncle and FC Dallas. The starting lineup for crew tonight, it was, uh, it was a weird one. We actually went with a 4-1-4-1, which in all my years of crew fandom, I've never seen before. Uh, yeah, so, I, I don't think we've ever run that with, with Porter or even like Burhalter. Certainly not Burhalter. I don't feel like Burhalter ever changed course. It was no stay the course no matter what. And sometimes that worked great. Sometimes that worked real bad. But <laughs> with Porter, we've seen a lot more of a willingness to adjust and change things up and try things out. And we tried it out. It didn't last, but we tried it out. Uh, end goal, we had Eloy Room. Defensively, we had Milton Valenzuela. We had Josh Williams. Jonathan Mensa and Harrison Awful. Uh, the lone defensive midfielder tonight was Artur. We saw last week we were down to our third string with Tanagbi out and with Fatai Alashe out. We had Sebastian Berhalter start, and uh, I think maybe Porter lost a little bit of faith in him. We saw uh, a whole formation shift this week. So uh, moving forward, we had Eunice Mokhtar starting again, Lucas Zellerian, Pedro Santos, Luis Diaz, and the striker. Jossie Zardes. What do you think about the starting eleven when you saw him tonight? I, I was optimistic about the four-one-four-one, and then the game started, and it was uh, very clear that it wasn't going to work. Archer was left totally alone to cover the entire defensive midfield by himself, with uh, Santos and Zellerion trying to figure out how to play together. Uh, and it really—I don't think—I just don't think it worked at all. No, Artur is a player who, who plays really well off of another really good defensive midfielder. Um, we saw it with Trap, we see it with Nagby, and then the further back you fall into someone like a Sebastian Burhalter, who's not a bad player, but Artur kind of rises to the level of who he's playing with. Definitely, and in the, uh, the outside backs, I totally expected them to play a lot more conservatively, and that didn't seem to be the case in the first half. Yeah. I think that's where we saw the first uh, goal come from was uh, some missed defensive covering by Diaz and an awful working together. So it just was altogether a good idea, but one that didn't seem to work out. Yeah. It's hard to retrain fullbacks who are so used to pushing up the pitch. And uh, that's exactly the same thing. I thought when I saw four, one, four, one, I thought, well, it's going to be weird seeing Valenzuela and Awful not push forward as much, but we didn't see that. And what we did see was FC Dallas be able to take advantage of that on the counterattacks. And, uh, man, their counterattacks all night. The transition play was where Crew was just 
it's struggling and scaring me. So getting into the game, though, the first half of the first half was kind of slow. It, it was just both teams feeling each other out. We had we had some good moments. Like Zellerion had this free kick, just gorgeous, gorgeous set piece where Josh Williams gets his head on it, uh, but uh, Maurer came up with a huge save. Maurer came up with many huge saves for FC Dallas tonight. I think if Maurer doesn't play as well as he did, if he's like a replacement level keeper today, the crew win 3-1, 3-2. I think the only person that came up with more saves than Maurer for FC Dallas tonight was Ted Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing I will say, and this is something I've kind of noticed crew struggling with a little bit, we like to play out of the back. It, that goes back into the Burhalter days and – uh, sometimes, man, that really costs us. You see, just when you play out of the back as much as we do, uh, one bad pass can turn the tides of a game like against New York City. That that was the loss we suffered against New York was a bad defensive pass out of the back. Tonight, I was seeing a lot of poor passing out of the back. I think a better attacking team could have capitalized more on that. I think we're lucky that that didn't cost us. Um, but it just – Something I was really aware of is just poor passes in the back. I was really impressed with the way Dallas pressed. Uh, they didn't seem to put that press in until about the 20th minute, and then it really picked up hard. Uh, they, the crew struggled a lot to overcome that, which was a big sh- surprise to me because they handled it really effectively most of the season. You know, Against Red Bull, the only match they played, they totally contained the press. Uh, and today, seeing them struggle so heavily was a shock. You know, I know Dallas hasn't showed that press a lot, and it was really, um, really timed out. So they weren't doing it the entire game. They did it, you know, the 20th minute, and then they did it for most of the rest of the half, and then they started again about five minutes into the second half. Uh, so that that press was effective, but, you know, it. I think it sort of counteracted the weakness that Dallas had in their uh, their midfield. It was kind of a, a, a battle of the keepers for the first half. Who's going who's gonna to be bested first? We had a, a lot of good chances. We had Diaz was on fire in the first half. He was getting crosses and he was getting some, some really dangerous passes and really great defense. He had some really tough physical tackles that he made where I was starting to be like, okay, maybe maybe don't fight so hard for that specific ball because I'd rather you stick around for a little bit of this, you know. <laughs> I don't want to see an injury come up with you. But we saw Mokhtar had a really great shot from right inside of the box. He gets in there, fires off a shot. Maurer comes up with a huge save. Uh, we yeah, had- was that, uh, it was that mirror meat hook he was uh- – firing in yeah yeah and we had another really dangerous cross that Maurer intercepted Maurer just he came up huge for Dallas room also had some huge saves as well FC Dallas fought to get inside of the box around the 30th minute mark gets a shot off right in front of room and room guesses the dive right gets there huge save for room but sooner or later someone is going to get scored on the way this game was being played and it happened to be crew first 38th minute like I said the transition defense just not up to snuff tonight FC Dallas gets a huge cross in Barrios gets his head on it his first goal of the season and it was a it was just a clinical finish room didn't stand a chance one nothing Dallas yeah it was interesting to see how Dallas was counterattacking there uh you know they had Pico out wide um one of the faster guys in MLS if not the fastest and then he he hits an amazingly perfect cross just all the way across goal to Barrios, who um, was overloading that side. You know, they had everybody on that right side of the field. 
right. switch it over to, to Barrios. He's wide open. Diaz doesn't track back. Perfect header. Um, pretty disappointing goal to give up. Yeah, and Awful, it was two-on-one for Awful. He had to pick a pick an yeah, attacker Awful was, and go with it. Yeah, he was stuck. You know, and here's the thing. It felt different than the other goals that had been scored against us because a lot of times when we get scored against in a game like Toronto, when the goals started coming in, I didn't really feel hopeful. I felt like, ah, this is it. This is the loss we're taking. Tonight, I never at one time felt like we're losing this match. No matter what the scoreline was, I, I saw so much potential in Cruz play. We went into halftime down one nothing, but I wasn't super defeated. What scared me was after that goal, it, it almost felt like the Toronto game where our defense just kind of collapsed for a few minutes, and Dallas was dangerous. And there was, there was just this little bit of span between the 38th-minute goal and around when Cruz started taking control about five minutes later where it just seemed like, oh, no, oh, no, it's about to be 2 nothing. It's about to be 3 nothing. It's about to – they're about to run wild like Toronto did. Thankfully, that didn't happen, and we end up getting possession back. 43rd minute, there's a ball played into the goal box. It's, it's bouncing, and Zellerion's trying to get control of it, tries to get a shot off, and I, I can't tell what happened, but he goes down. Showing a replay, it looks like maybe he just pulled his groin, but he immediately goes down, immediately throws his hands over his face, and you immediately know it's not a good thing. And Zellerion, we see he didn't come back at the start of the second half, and it looks like we're going to be missing Zellerion again. I hope they were just being overly conservative by giving him an extra 45 minutes of rest, but it really didn't look good. You know, he kept making a motion with his arm while he was laying there, I'm not sure what that was about, but it was, you know, he was looked like he was saying, you know, he planted and something pulled or something like that. So uh, hopefully, hopefully Lucas just has a slight tweak and he can get back into the midweek game, maybe put in a substitute appearance, but I'm not optimistic either. What made me the most nervous about it was uh, Aiden Morris was up before halftime. This, now this injury happens about two or three minutes before halftime. And when they, Brought Aiden Morris, and you could tell he was about to sub in. He didn't end up making the sub before the the whistle for halftime, but you could tell he was coming in, and that made me nervous because why, why, it, why not just give uh, give yourself a few minutes during halftime to figure out the severity of it? So making that call before halftime told me this is probably not good. I agree. It was in the stoppage time that Morris was up uh, ready to go in and he didn't get to go on before the half. So I was wondering, you know, does that count as a substitution? Is, are they wasting a window there? It was really strange to see them move that quickly to make a substitution. I understand not wanting to give up a goal, but it really didn't seem like another Dallas goal was coming. No, it didn't. And it didn't come. And we go into halftime down one, nothing uh, again, going down before half, not, typical for the crew this is the third straight game we've been scored on which last week was the first time we had been scored on in back-to-back games so naturally this is the first time we've been scored on on back-to-back-to-back games so the the only note I really had going into halftime because it wasn't a super decisive first half it could have went either way I felt confident at every point through this match that this was a game we could win so the only note I had going into halftime was crew didn't play a bad half and a couple of great saves by Maurer are all that's separating crew and Dallas right now. I agree. And aside from that, you know, Dallas had the, the one great header by Barrios. Really, really good play 
by Dallas on the counterattack. They had another uh, header from almost the exact same spot by Hollingshead, you know, like in the 10th or 12th minute. And aside from that, Dallas really didn't threaten. Um, but I do want to talk about the handball that I think happened in the box right after Lucas gets injured. The, there's, a, there's a corner kick, and it, the header comes off, I think, Jonathan. It heads right into one of the Dallas players. There's a brief VAR uh, review, and Ted Uncle eventually doesn't go to the box to look at it. But to me, it really looked like that was a handball. You know, I think I think the crew are a little bit hard pressed not to get a penalty kick there. It's Ted Uncle, man. I mean, we're not winning with Ted Uncle. I think it wouldn't have gone our way had it went to VAR. They showed it multiple, multiple times, and at first it's like, oh, handball, handball, handball. Then they the final angle they play was this like behind the goal camera where you see it looks like it hit the back of the shoulder. Uh, so I don't think we would have got that call in our favor anyway, because I don't necessarily think it was a handball. And even when things should have went our way, they didn't go our way. So sure. regardless, why doesn't it go to VAR is the question. Exactly. It would have taken, you know, a minute to do that. If that we're already close to stoppage time, go take a look and see, you know, he jumps up with his with one of his arms in the air. It looks like it goes off that arm. And then the header down from Jonathan looks like it maybe goes off his other one. You know, it's it's clearly off of him somewhere because they call a corner. It shouldn't be that hard to identify where it is. No, and that's the whole point of VAR. If you feel like you're missing something that was clear and obvious, you go to VAR. And we'll talk about VAR and we'll talk about clear and obvious because one thing was clear and obvious to me coming out of this matchup. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, going into the second half, this is the Columbus crew I'm used to. We score immediately. The 46th minute, Diaz crosses the ball. Santos, it actually looked like a dummy pass, or he, he didn't seem to touch it, but I guess he actually got his foot on it because he got the assist for it. Santos barely touches it. Mokhtar scores. 1-1. Excellent finish by Mokhtar. Just letting the ball come to him, hitting it in the exact right spot. Uh, Dallas keeper has no chance. The first two goals of the night were goals that the goalies had no chance in stopping because everything up to that point, we were having excellent, excellent shots on goal, both from us and from FC Dallas, but the keepers were coming up huge. So the only way you were scoring tonight is to have a goal where nobody stood a chance to get into it. And that's, that's exactly what happened for goal number one and goal number two. Goal number three, however, it's a a bit of a different story. Look at first, I, I'm not an expert, so I thought, what are you doing, Awful? What happens is FC Dallas has an attacker in the box. The ball's coming in. Awful goes to dive and try to get ahead on it, but the, uh, the Dallas player stops in his tracks, and basically Awful just jumps onto the guy and pancakes him nowhere close to the ball, and I'm sitting there thinking that is like the stupidest thing I've ever seen a player do. What are you doing? What's happening? But Jordan and Jelly is a smarter person than I, and she knows the game better than I, the color analyst for Fox Sports. And she she had said uh, what, what happened was she said, oh, that, that needs to go to review. They need to check that out because that not only was that not a penalty kick, that should have been a foul on Dallas for obstruction. Harrison Awful was trying to get to the ball. The Dallas player stopped and obstructed him getting to the ball. That, But it – didn't go to VAR. The call didn't get challenged. It goes to a penalty kick. And as is the case with penalties this year, whether we're taking them or the other team is, it doesn't go good for the crew. 
Yeah, you know, I think I would have agreed with Jordan if if I had her on my TV. I was unfortunate to have the Dallas commentators, and they seemed to clearly think it was a penalty. Uh, it looked to me like Berrios was setting himself up for some sort of overhead kick, and as he's doing that, he's boxing out, and Awful runs right through him to the ball, which, you know, Awful has every right to that position. Berrios either has to play the ball or – get out of the way and he doesn't do either of those. Uh, so I, I think, I think Jordan's got a good shout there to say, maybe we need to take a look at this, see if it's a foul at all uh, and go from there. I don't understand why Ted uncle would call a foul like that and not give a yellow card. You know, I think the crew's really fortunate for Ted uncle to give a penalty in the box on a play where awful ran over the guy and he doesn't get his second yellow card of the match. And here's the thing. I'm not an expert. If I were watching that foul on mute, I'd think all day, every day, penalty kick. I'm not an expert, you know? I'm a fan. I, I do what I can to cover it with Massive Report. I, I, I like to think I'm somewhat educated in soccer. But at the same time, you know, I would have never thought what, what Jordan said, which is, well, that's obstruction. But I'm not a professional referee for a major league sport ted uncle supposedly is so why does he not know these rules why does he not know the laws of the game if jordan and jellies does so easily no i agree i just i think it's either no foul or it's a foul and a yellow card and he's gone it's just there's no middle ground there's no foul penalty kick go ahead it's you know he ran over a guy either ran over him because he did something yellow card worthy or he ran over him because the offensive player was obstructing i i don't get how you make that you know middle ground no man's land call that ted uncle is so good at making and, and doing incorrectly and this starts the journey of me going back and forth between liking soccer and not liking soccer for the rest of the day dallas take the shot room guesses it right he gets his fingers on it but it's a goal crew penalty kicks are gonna kill us this year we can't score one and we can't stop them so two one dallas Now, this seemed to have irritated the crew. But coming up shortly, the crew seemed to get real pissed because Diaz gets this great cross into Zardes. Zardes drops back because the cross was just a hair short. Zardes drops back, one touch, puts it in the goal, 2-2. A few seconds later, it goes to VAR. Now, I'm not going to say that it was whether or not Diaz was offside was what they were going back and reviewing. I'm not going to say I can say for 100% certainty that Diaz was not offside. What I am going to say is the camera angles I saw on my television, there is no way that you can say the call on the field was clear and obviously wrong. It is, if he were offside, it is minute in the camera angle. You cannot show that to me. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing it differently than you. I, I want your opinion. I'm trying to be unbiased here. I'm trying to not just be the crew homer who's like, no, we should never get anything taken away from us, and we should never get penalty kicks. But so far, it's 0 for 2 for Uncle on these calls. He ends up calling it back. 2-1 is, is now the score again when it should be 2-2 because – you can't show me a universe in which that was clear and obvious that he was offside. So I'm going to disagree with you, but by disagreeing, I think I'm going to actually agree with you. Okay. If you, I I think Diaz is a little bit offside. And the reason I think that is, so if you're looking at this goal uh, from your TV, Diaz is on the far side. So the top toward the top of your screen, 
usually the guy toward the top on that angle is slightly ahead of uh, people toward the middle of the field. So toward the middle of your TV screen. I say that because I've done a lot of these anatomy of a goal pieces for massive report. And usually it's that guy that's just such a few, you know, inches or feet ahead and the angle skews that a bit. And it was pretty clear to me that Diaz was at least maybe a shoulder or a head just ahead of, I think it was Hollingshead or whoever their center back is. Having said that, the fact that you and I can disagree means that it wasn't clear and obvious. And right. there's, if, if it's called a goal in the field and there's no offsides given, it's not clear and obvious. And the call in the field stands. So I, I think that's enough to say, you know, can't do it, not clear and obvious. Uncle spent, you know, maybe two seconds looking at that play, looks at it, turns around as he's walking away to look back over his shoulder and, and looks again and says, okay, cool, I can tell this is offside. I, that's ridiculous. I, if you and I disagree on this, then it's not clear and obvious. You know, right. it's, it's a goal. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue that. So moving forward, it's 2-1 again, but I, I said the crew were irritated by that penalty kick. At this point, the crew were pissed off. They played the rest of the game hellfire and brimstone hailing down upon FC Dallas. It was only a matter of time before we scored again. And, and here's the thing. Like I said, at no point did I feel like we were going to lose this game. I felt like at this point, we're going to win this game. And we might even win this game by multiple goals because we came in hot. Mokhtar gets subbed off in the 60th minute and he looked pissed. I don't know if you noticed that. He was, he was heated. And, he was, and, he was, he was throwing hands at people on the sidelines, like the least uh, happy to leave the field high fives I've seen. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't blame him. He had a good game. He, I he don't had either. A, not, a great shot on goal. He had a great goal. Yeah. Not only did he have a great game, but the game was heated. The game was hot. And you could tell the emotion coming off of him, the, the anger from him coming off the field, you could tell that that was how every player on the pitch felt. They wanted to win that game. And I think that was where Mokhtar's anger came from is he wanted to be part of winning that game. But Emmanuel Boateng comes on and we haven't seen a lot of him. In fact, I think we've only seen him once this season, but he makes his impact felt and he kind of proves Porter right, right away because a minute in, Boateng bursts down the pitch, crosses the ball in, Santos slides in with the shot, we score. It was an excellent run and pass in by Boateng yeah. uh, just to hit Pedro Santos, who you know finished it as calmly as ever and, and finished uh, at least got his first goal in what's a, what was a really, really good game by him. The rest of the match is just chaos. We do have another just weird injury for crew where uh, Eloy room goes for this clearance and he hits the ball really weird. It just seemed like a really bad play out of the back. Like I had been talking about, but then he goes down. I almost, I don't know. I, I kind of relate people to me, I guess, where uh, sometimes if you like, uh, if you just roll your ankle and fall down for no reason, you got to sit there and act like something actually bad happened because you don't want to just look like a fool. So when I saw him go down at first, I'm like, okay, all right. He just, that was a really bad clearance and he's just going to play it off. Like he got hurt for a second, but uh, that wasn't the case. He, he stays down for a while. He gets up and then uh, Jonathan Mintz actually takes the, the kick for him. And a few minutes later, room subbed out. That's our second injury from a player that wasn't necessarily touched or fouled or, tackled just seemed to hit the ground wrong or pull something and two pretty worrisome injuries from this FC Dallas game yeah I think the the way 
he went down was really concerning. You know, he picks up the ball and does a weird little kind of shimmy with his leg, takes another step and does it again, almost like his leg's about to give out on him. So it, it didn't look like he stepped in the turf wrong. It looked like his knee just wasn't, wasn't having it today. So hopefully it's just a twinge or something like that. At the same time, Tarbell's been pretty solid all year. I don't, I don't trust has. him on the ball as much as I do room. But Tarbell's had a, you know, a really good season with the crew. Tarbell gets a bad rap because of the Minnesota United penalty kicks. He dove the same way every single time. They shot the opposite way every single time. It was infuriating. But in terms of actual game time, the 90 minutes, whistle to whistle, he's playing really good games. He is, he is. And he's not going to make those, you know, whip-quick reaction saves that Room makes. But he's just a solid, you know, slightly above replacement level keeper. Yeah, and no keeper is. No keeper is going to make those kind of saves playing the minutes that Tarbell's playing. You have to be on the pitch full matches to be able to make those kind of saves. You have to be getting regular minutes to make those kind of saves. We saw when Room came back, he wasn't quite up to that snappiness. But as he gets minutes, he he gets back to that. And, and you know, the thing about these injuries is we, we talk about how the crew came off of long rest. They came off of a six-day rest, but – the schedule that we are playing on and the amount of just congestion in the schedule, six days isn't really a long rest. It's a normal rest in a normal season. But then you look at the rest of the season and we got games every, every three to four days for the rest of the season. And do we know, did they fly down today or did they fly down yesterday? They flew down yesterday. I, I believe okay. from what I was hearing, the uh, Porter made the decision that he doesn't want to do day of travel for the team. So, which is understandable. It's got to be well, tough. That's great. For, yeah. It, yes. Yeah. I'm someone who's a bad flyer. You know, I don't mind flying, but it just kind of wrecks me for at least a whole day. So I, you know, I don't understand how anyone can fly down to Texas or fly over to New York, like the crew did against New York city FC play a game the same day and then be expected to either get back on a plane and head home or spend the night. You know, I'm absolutely, I'm worthless for at least the next like 10 hours. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a weird season. It's been a tough season and we're seeing it in the results on road games. The crew are struggling on road games, two wins, two losses, four draws on the road right now. Now. Okay. Before we move on to post-match chatter, Look, I could sit here for the next 15 minutes and break down the end of this game for you and every chance that happened and every, every chance the crew had, every chance that Dallas had. What happens after, uh, after it's tied 2-2 is all hell breaks loose. For a while, it's just crew knocking on the door over and over. Dangerous passes, dangerous shots. None of them are converted. We could go flip side that. Dallas had some really good crosses right in front of goal, some headers that if they just got their head a little lower – we could have lost that game. So it was chaotic. It was just pure chaos for the rest of the match, 20 minutes or so of just, uh, you have no idea where this is going. I still felt like the crew were going to find their, their game winning goal. And uh, we were actually, we jumped on the call a little early and we're just kind of chatting while we were finishing watching the game. And uh, there was one, one chance in particular, I think in the 89th minute where he said, that was it. That was our shot. And you were right. We missed that shot and we go in, to the final whistle, 2-2, we drew against FC Dallas. A result that keeps us in first place in the Supporter Shield standing, but just barely, just by goal differential, which we have seen start to really dwindle as we progress into the season. So we are now tied with points with Toronto FC ahead on goal differential. 
It's true. And, you know, we've had the fortune of playing Cincinnati a lot and Chicago a few times, which has helped. But I don't think you can look at anyone's schedule and see Toronto's and think, wow, this schedule is not the easiest schedule in the league. Despite the fact that Toronto beat the pants off the crew in Connecticut, uh, their schedule was beyond simple playing two other Canadian teams, neither of which are any good, while Columbus did play a really, really great match against Philadelphia that it seems like Porter and the rest of the league has forgotten that we kind of easily handled Philadelphia at home. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, the, that they're tied again, but they're still in first a huge road point. Uh, that I think is really hard, really easy to overlook a road point. But any season in MLS, a road point's great. A season like this, a road point is massive. I don't call it unfortunate that we tied. At this point, I didn't want to lose again. We didn't lose. We came out 2-2. And we came out 2-2 on a match where I think the players, I think the coaching staff, and I think the fans know we probably should have won that match. Whether, Whether it was the penalty kick that maybe shouldn't have been given or the offside call that maybe shouldn't have been made or just... Uh, a chance that should have been converted, you know, take uncle out of it. There were a couple of times where if uh, Pedro Santos just, just controlled the ball a little bit more, we would have scored or, you know, maybe a pass just, just off target a hair that created a chance for FC Dallas to intercept. So it was a game that we come out of not feeling like, wow, we were really lucky to get out of there with a point. It's a game that we come out of thinking, if there were five minutes left in this match, maybe we could have came out with a win. I agree. I think it's one of those where the crew will look at this like a draw that's more of a win. Right. And like against Chicago. I, I, exactly. And I think Dallas is honestly going to look at this as a draw that's a win. Dallas led in possession. But I still think for most of the second half, Columbus was the much better team, had many more chances 12 shots uh, for Columbus and five on goal to 13 and only three on goal for uh, Dallas. And two of those were goals for Dallas. I think that right there says, says everything, you know, Dallas has one of their shots on goals, a penalty kick. The other one's a wide open header. And then room makes that excellent save. Otherwise there's just really not much there for Dallas. So like you said, it's something where I think both teams can come out of it feeling pretty good about themselves. Again, crew, not the best on the road this year, but not the worst. Now we do have some home games coming up where I feel like we can really start padding that lead and building that buffer back up between us and Toronto. Uh, but given you don't know where Toronto's going with the season right now, because Toronto's playing well, Orlando's playing well, Cruz starting to stumble a little bit towards the later half of the season. That's true. I, I think the big, the key thing for me is that despite the fact that, Columbus is stumbling a bit. They still haven't lost two games in a row. And that's really, really big. Every game that they've had a loss, they've come back and at least tied. You know, I'm not counting that Minnesota game as a loss. I think FIFA's rules would count that as a tie and then a Minnesota advances in penalty kicks. But every every loss has been avenged with at least a draw. And that's huge. Teams good teams, good teams avoid uh, mistakes and great teams avoid losing twice. And I think Columbus is 
hopefully moving toward that great team area. That's, that's a very good point. Uh, we don't follow up a bad result with a bad result. So coming off of a loss and then following that up with a draw could be seen as a bad result. But as long as we're getting points, I'm happy. We have, we have gotten to the point, we have played well enough up until this point where I think all we need to do is continue to get points and we're going to make the playoffs. So I'm going to take draws. I'm going to take wins, obviously. But the one thing I don't want to see is losses moving forward. Agreed. I think playoffs are a foregone conclusion. I just want to see home field as long as possible. MLS Cup is going to be whatever. Who knows where that's going to be, whether it's at a neutral site or what. Who even knows if the playoffs are going to be at a neutral site? You know, I think Patrick Murphy has mentioned a few times that he thinks they'll be played at home in front of whatever amount of fans the local area has decided is appropriate. And I I would prefer that – If we can travel to Dallas – a match then they can come to us to play the playoffs right it all agreed yeah and we have we have uh if we move into the playoffs with the record that we have or with the pace that we had set at the beginning of the season we absolutely deserve some home matches and we've seen crew the best at home in the league seven and oh at home we haven't lost we haven't drawn we only went at home that would make me feel a lot more confident moving into the playoffs because as the season progresses, my confidence in, in making it to the MLS Cup is starting to waver a little bit. I don't, I, the one thing I still feel hopeful is that we could secure a supporter shield. Uh, the MLS Cup, I'm a little more nervous about. I think if we can keep the playoffs at home for the majority of it, I feel more confident. I agree. I think if we were still in the home-and-home home situation, Columbus would be much more of a lock for the MLS Cup. But now that it's a one-game winner-takes-all, right? who's to say you're not going to get a Minnesota situation where they get a lucky goal, they sit back and put 13 men behind the ball somehow the entire match and squeak out a penalty kick win? Uh, I, I do think you've got to go for that supporter shield. It's a trophy. It's not a trophy that really matters to a ton of people, but it's still a trophy, and it's something the new ownership group can hang their hat on as they open a new stadium and say, look at this. We were the best team in the league in the regular season. We may not have won MLS Cup. These are the improvements we made going into 2021. Let's do it. Uh, That said, they still might do it. They're still – absolutely good enough when they have their first choice team out there to, to yes. be the MLS cup champions. Yep. I'm not throwing in my towel on the crew yet. I, I still think we have an MLS cup caliber team, especially if we can maybe sacrifice the supporter shield and rest players and make sure we enter into the playoffs with our top starting 11 with our healthiest starting 11. I don't, I don't see that as a team that is easy to beat. If you get Nagby in there, if you get, Zellerion healthy in there if you have Zardes healthy and rested in there that that's a heck of a team that we have seen teams really really struggled to beat so I think we pretty much wrapped up the match do you have anything else you feel like you need to say uh the one thing I will say is that I think the second half adjustments by Porter and his staff were really really good putting Morris in and going back to that 4-2-3-1 uh Morris, who's relatively untested this year, who put in a really solid shift. I don't think he made any big mistakes. I don't even know if he had a turnover in the entire second half. Yeah, to, to do that, well. yeah, to take a to take a stab and say we're going to go this four one four one, and then to change and say this didn't work. We're going to go back. We're going to we're going to adjust. That's something that's been missing from crew teams in the last you know five to even ten years. Something we haven't seen where 
where the, the coaching staff will go into the half, make the right adjustments and lead the team out to a really good second half. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I meant to speak on that and I forgot to, so I'm really glad you brought it up. We did see the change back into the typical formation and more of a typical play style and, and more, more than a capable substitution. So we're seeing depth there with Burhalter. We're seeing depth there with Morris. And obviously, uh, Fatia Lache was doing a very good job in that position too before he got hurt. So moving on to players who we saw good matches from and maybe some players we saw a bad match from, we're going to move on to our best and worst player of the night. But be- before we do, I want to clarify that Columbus Crew is the greatest team the world's ever seen. You don't get to play for the crew if you're not an elite caliber player. So you have to be the best of the best. With that said, we're going to give our best, best player of the match and our best, worst player of the match. So, Colin, who's your best, best? Uh, I think my best, best today is Pedro Santos. He has finally figured out how to play with Lucas Zellerayon. We've seen that the last few games. And then when Zellerayon goes out today – Santos absolutely took the lead in that second half, led the crew down the field, scored a huge goal to tie the game, and had a ton of chances moving forward. So he's my best of the best. Yeah, no argument with me. Pedro Santos got my best best. He had a goal. He had an assist. He had another one of his typical games. We didn't see it last week, but the, the Santos style is, man, he just doesn't give up on a ball. He, he's dropping back defensively. He's playing – really good offense and defense. And we saw that today. I, I was just watching it at one point. Uh, I just exclaimed, good Lord Santos, because he just did not stop moving. The Dallas was just passing the ball back and forth through their defense. And Santos did not give them a second to rest. He was just on that ball. So Santos also got my best, best. And I think if I'm tallying it up, the best, best players of the match that have been given throughout the season so far, I think Santos is a front runner as best, best player of the season. He's had a really great second half of the season, and I don't blame him. You know, he's, he came into the team, kind of pushed to the wing with uh, Federico Higuain, had to figure it out there, finally did, and then was sort of thrust into this number 10 position last year, had to figure it out with a new number 10 this year with Lucas Zellerayan, and he has. And I think the thing you can say about him is that Pedro Santos brings 100% intensity, 100% commitment, every single game he may hit a shot uh 20 yards over the goal about 15 times in a game but he's still going to give it everything he's got every single game and we've seen that calm down a little bit he had one of the classic Santos shots today that I think is still in the air but outside of that he he's really been able to bring his balls onto goal lately so I yeah he's my best best he's your best best I don't think anybody's gonna argue that now I'm struggling with this Uh, I don't think anybody had a particularly bad game. So I'm not 100% sure even at this point who I'm giving my best worst to. So I'm glad that you have to go first. Sure. And I think I've got one. And it's going to be, unfortunately, it's Harrison Awful today. I'm a big Awful fan. I think he's one of the best right backs in the league and has been his entire time with the crew. But today he was just not on his best game. I I won't blame him at all for that first goal. That was exactly Dallas forced everyone to that side. Awful was forced to play in this no man's land covering two guys. Diaz didn't track back. So that's not on him at all. But then to sort of just bowl over uh, Barrios on that, that last goal, I think was, or the, uh, for the penalty kick is what kind of put it over the edge for me. You know, he did settle down and, uh, 
and stayed in for the rest of the game, which I think is important to mention. Um, in a in a season when the crew have brought on his replacement, who he's totally kept off the field, uh, but but he's my he's my best worst just because of those few bad plays from him. Yeah, I struggle. I struggle with giving Harrison awful uh, best worst, especially. The penalty kick, I don't know that I think it should have been a penalty kick, so I don't know that I can hold that against him. But we did see a yellow card early from him. I don't like seeing fullbacks take yellow cards. Uh, I think that really cripples your ability to play the rest of the game. (sighs) Nothing awful did really stuck out as bad to me tonight, though. Whereas it didn't cost us at any point, but I... It's hard to give a worse every game because sometimes you just don't feel like anybody deserves it. But uh, Josh Williams got beat a couple times tonight. So I didn't see Awful really getting beat. I don't, I'm just going to give it to Josh Williams for the sake of not giving it to Harrison Awful because the work that I see Awful put in on the field, he never stops moving. He never gives up on the game. My actual backup best best would have been Milton Valenzuela. I think he had a hell of a game. He didn't give up throughout one second of that match. And that's something I noticed last week when everybody else threw in the towel. Valenzuela played hard. Uh, So honorable mention to him. But so really all I'm left with is Josh Williams. And that's only because I saw him be beat a few times. It's it's a tough night to give a worst best, in my opinion. Can we give it to Ted Uncle and just let him be the worst? I couldn't couldn't call him a crew player. I could call him an FC Dallas player. He was their best best of the night, but I couldn't call him a crew player. If if anything, he is the true rival of the Columbus crew. (laughs) There's going to be a Ted Uncle Derby in the next few years. I hate that, man. (laughs) Colin, with all that out of the way, you've been my best best co-host of the night, and you've earned yourself a plug. Why don't you tell these people where they can find you? I'm on Twitter at Colin Johnson, uh, Colin with two L's. Otherwise, uh, keep an eye out on Massive Report for Anatomy of the Goal every week and a couple other articles that'll pop up. And you've been with Massive Report for a while, haven't you? I have, yeah. I started in 2017. So during the 2017 season, uh, did a lot of coverage of the uh, legal aspects of the Save the Crew movement. So a lot of reporting about uh, legal briefs, which was not, not too interesting to some people, but pretty interesting to me. Um, and, and it's been a great run. Save the crew, man. What, what a time to be a crew fan. And actually speaking of save the crew, I didn't plan on this, but it's a seamless segue. I might as well. A few weeks ago, we did an interview with Pete McGinty, the author of accidental heroes, a book that covered the save the crew movement. Uh, that pod kind of got lost in the shuffle of the back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back post-game matches we're doing. But anybody who hasn't went back and listened to that episode, uh, it's called Hashtag Save the Crew Book Interview. I would really recommend going back and listening to it. Very interesting. It's before we got that banging theme song we have now, so bear with the theme song. But a really great interview, really interesting, really good person. And uh, I, I can't recommend the book enough. And I recommend jumping back on that pod and listening to that. So shamelessly plugging myself out of the way. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at... Andrew Atkins SC. You can find the show on Twitter at Crew Review Pod for all your crew news, updates, analysis. Go to MassiveReport.com and follow them on Twitter at MassiveReport. So the crew's next match is going to be against Impact Montreal Wednesday, seven thirty Eastern. Who do you got? I have. It's a home game, right? It is. Thank God. Yeah, yeah I've got Columbus is going to win two to nothing. Yep, I got I got Columbus Crew two to nothing too. I don't like I don't like agreeing, but I also don't like changing my 
my prediction just for the sake of not agreeing. Uh, we Montreal's are not any good. No, they're, they're not good. We are good. We're seven and zero at home. We need a win to rebound a loss and a draw. So I think we're getting that win in the fortress. I'm going crew to nothing as well. We do a thing called hashtag my crew review where every week at the end of the show, if you leave hashtag my crew review on Twitter, I will read your reviews. And I also drop a comment thread on Twitter where people comment their reviews. I got real worked up about this match. It's late at night. I'm tired. I watched Man City lose again. Well, no, they didn't lose. They drew. So actually, I think as goes Man City goes the crew because uh, last week Man City got spanked and crew got spanked. Tonight, Man City drew and crew drew. So I think I just got to switch my Premier League team because if Man City's not performing well, it seems like Crew's not performing well for me. I'm having these these Saturdays of duplicate matches, and it's really starting to stress me out. Everton's open for business. We're accepting new fans. <laughs> I'm not ready to jump off the, the, the Man City bandwagon quite yet, but I might start testing the waters here soon. But regardless, I got the question thread up a little bit later than normal, and – because of that, I noticed that I only had one one comment on the thread as opposed to normally I have about five or six. So we'll still go with it. I did get a couple crew reviews. Uh, the first one is from Sanch, S-Z-N, at Sanch2020. He said, we still haven't won an away game all season, and half of the last eight games are away. We've won all our home games, and half of our last eight games are at home. If we want a serious chance at the Supporter Shield or MLS Cup, we need to learn how to play away games. I don't know what you're counting as away games, but we we do have two away wins right now, and uh, technically all of the MLS back tournament was away, and we did. Pretty- I, I think I think those got a little skewed. I think we had two technical away games. I think that's where those are coming from. Yeah. Right. The two away wins. Yes. Yeah. I, I, either way, that's semantics. You can't disregard the point that if we can't start uh, winning these away games, it's going to be really tough to win the MLS Cup. And we do have a lot of away games to figure that out through the rest of the season. So hopefully we can take the, the rest of the season that we have ahead of us and we can figure out how do we beat teams like Toronto? How do we beat teams on the road? How do we take this great team at home and translate that into a great team on the road? Results like today aren't bad. Results like in Chicago aren't bad. Coming back 2-0 to uh, 2-2 draw, that, that was good. Uh, the draw in Seattle was a good draw for us. So our, our away results haven't been dreadful, but yeah, we have to convert draws in, into wins, no doubt. The last one I had is actually a question. Uh, I like this question. It's from Christian Townsend at CG Town. Question for the pod. Who is the worst referee in MLS and why is it Ted Uncle? I'll let yeah, you take it. He's the worst. He's the worst. He's 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 terrible. I did a whole entire article last year for Massive Report just breaking down the time he gave Will Trap a red card for getting fouled by uh, <laughs> Acosta from DC. And it's impossible he's an impossibly bad referee, keeps getting work. I understand there aren't a ton of refs in the US. But I don't – how do you give Ted Uncle a job when he continues to be as average to bad as he is? And how do you keep putting him on crew matches when you know how it's going to go every time? And, and he yellow-carded our, our coach today. I didn't know you could do that. Can you yeah, yellow-card a coach? I think he, got, he gave him the, the, like, NBA technical foul for throwing an <laughs> air punch. But even then, he yellow-carded 
uh, room for being behind the goal line. Yeah. It's not clear that you can't be behind the line on a goal. I don't know why, you know, that's a disadvantage. I don't know why that would be something you could get carded for. Jordan played basically the job that Jordan had tonight was to discredit every call uncle made. So <laughs> she, she countered everything. He, everything he called a foul. She's like, Nope, that's not a foul. Room's allowed to take his time getting to the line. Room doesn't have to get to the line until he takes the shot. So yeah, Jordan just played the discredit uncle Ted game all night. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to listen to. It, it wasn't a lot of fun to watch because I'm telling you, I don't know that that 2-2 result would have held had it not been for Uncle. Regardless, sorry that I, uh, I got that thread up late, but I appreciate the feedback and I appreciate the reviews. And Colin, I appreciate you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. It was a lot of fun. And as always, for Master Report, I'm Andrew Atkins, and this has been The Crew Review. Glory to Columbus. Go Crew. And we will see you next time when we review The Crew.